Hello and welcome to Tabletop Dropouts. I'm George. I'm Zach. And I'm Mike. And we're here to talk to you today about tabletop goodness. Um, so this episode's kind of a little bit different than our normal for, uh, format that we normally do where we talk about news or we talk about you know cool shit, stuff like that that you guys normally hear from us in our episodes. Today we're kind of just talking about skirmish games and specifically we're focusing more into Frostgrave. Uh, so it's had, so good. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> it is and good. We yeah. have had so much fun with it uh, here at the uh, Tabletop Dropouts little hangout. Um, but yeah, let's kind of, let's discuss skirmish games a little bit, guys. Um, so skirmish games are, for any listener that doesn't really know what a skirmish game is, it's a smaller board size than, say, your typical Warhammer or... Uh, any kind of thing. There's a couple of games that exist for it. Uh, Imperial Assault, uh, if you've ever played Imperial Assault, it's modded after Descent, but it does have a skirmish option where you can just kind of play a small battle between Imperials and Rebels. For uh, other examples of good, uh, or for hobby skirmish games, you've got stuff like Relic Blade, which I've plugged a few yeah. times on here, but you also got uh, Malifaux, which at this point is a, its third edition, very popular Western horror-themed skirmish game. Uh, there's a few in that sort of area, too, like Wild West Exodus, which is another Western one. Um, even a lot of the bigger companies also have them. You know, there's skirmish rules for Age of Sigmar, but there's also uh, and skirmish rules for War Machine and Hordes from yep. Privateer. But uh, they also have dedicated skirmish games like Warcry, which mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of, and uh, Necromunda, which we've referenced before for the 40K side of things. Right. Um, of course, Kill Team. Kill, Kill Team, another, uh, another excellent example. There's also... Uh, so one page rules mm-hmm. they do their uh you know if you if you're not familiar with one page rules they're a really cool thing they uh they make one page games that are basically your skirmish games uh gaslands that's a skirmish oh, game oh yeah yeah gaslands so that's uh that's that's a that's a game that's uh you want to talk about one of the rules in that game is if if you are ever unsure about the way a rule is going to progress you have to pick the rule that's going to result in the most carnage for the most yeah. people oh involved. I didn't know that. I'm so excited to play now. <laughs> it's amazing. And I have seen some pretty funny things happen because of that game. Oh, I think it's going to flip, but it's going to put me into an audience grandstand. Or it'll put me into this rock. No, it's going into the grandstand. <laughs> audience. <laughs> Minus two audience score. <laughs> audience score. I got to read the rules for this. I didn't know there was an audience. That sounds even better. Oh, it so, is. You actually so get, excited. You get bonuses for doing cool stuff like if you pull off a power slide like and you narrowly <laughs> avoid you know like crashing into something or you dodge a missile um your audience score goes up and they send you or they give you a bonus like nice. you get like a like a, an item or they like ah, drop sweet. you a care package or something nice. so i mean there's some cool stuff in gaslands so i mean that's that's a game um isn't unmatched the skirmish game unmatched is a skirmish board game it's a um, it's a little. It's definitely more board game than oh, okay. um, than miniatures game in that like you have discrete spaces. Mm. Uh, it's card driven, but it's a card driven small battle where you're each person's controlling um, anywhere from one 
to about I think the highest we've seen so far is maybe five oh, okay. uh, people on the board. Each basically in that game, each person has one named character that they are, and then some characters have variable amounts of uh, basically sidekicks. So like. If you're playing as Robin Hood, he has a whole bunch of outlaws that have his back. So he's got four other guys running around. But if you're playing as Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee is just Bruce Lee. He doesn't need any backup. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I would definitely categorize categorize that as a skirmish game because it, it is a small scale battle. Right. Um, yeah. But what I think it's important that we talk about what attracts us to these types of games. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Uh, well, I mean, different different systems. I am a big fan of Gaslands. I'm a big fan of Frostgrave. Um, both games are incredibly different and have a completely different feel to them, and I think that's what I'm, I'm drawn to. And even games like Warcry and Kill Team, um, I have brought on people that would never play a Warhammer 40K game. Like, they look at 40K and they're like, no fucking way, dude. Like, I'm not, I don't have six hours to spend <laughs> trying to learn all these rules and playing this game. But if I put five models of Space Marines on the table and I say, your goal is to shoot, is to go to that box, steal that ammunition, and get off the board as fast as possible without me killing you, I can sell that to, to your, to your layman, uh, everyday board game guy, you know? Like, skirmish games are a good game to play if you want a complex and fun and interesting scenario without having to go into hours-long, six-by-four, huge codex, rule-lawyering craziness. Well, and I also think that that smaller scale helps in the ability for us to have character and have story. Oh, absolutely. So comparing a big 40K game or a big Age of Sigmar game, like we, in our previous games... um, yeah, you know, we had stories that erupted out of the gameplay, such as Bitey the Horse, yeah. which oh, we'll, yeah. we'll go into the full epic all of hail, Bitey. All hail Bitey. Uh, at a future date. But um, I'm not aware of Bitey the Horse. I, you you I, will be one day. You'll, you'll be a Bitey I'm excited for it. <laughs> but um, that happened, that came out of organically from the gameplay, but right. it was something that we had to make up because of some scenarios that happened right. in the big army. Whereas when we were playing Necromunda, we had specific characters, specific personalities that we have attributed to these people. Right. So that helps the story come out even more naturally. And it's the same way I find in general with skirmish games. You have a smaller number of actors on the board, so therefore it's easier to go, well, this guy, he has a name, and he's going to do something because this is what he would do. And it helps to turn it from a big war game to more of a role-playing game, a role-playing game-like game, right? Which I personally adore. Yeah, I think um, you know, and that—that's one of the things that I like about it too. I also enjoy really kind of like the more zany rule aspects oh, yeah. and interactions that you tend to get with smaller games. You get that a little bit with stuff like 40k, like when a vehicle explodes. And <laughs> I won a tournament a couple of months ago, and in my final game, I blew up like four vehicles with one attack because it just like chain exploded out from there. And that was amazing in 40k, but that like that's probably never going to happen again in a 40k game right. that I play. But when I'm playing something like Necromunda or Kill Team or hell Frostgrave, like right. <laughs> like uh, you know, we'll get to that here in a little bit. Like crazy shit happens constantly, and it's hilarious. I still don't forgive you. Yeah, I don't blame you. God, <laughs> you know, we'll, then, we'll cover what happened in Frostgrave here in a little bit. But um, yeah, you know, I just really enjoy kind of the crazy rule interactions. It's you know very thematic. Whether that be you know one of Mike's fucking dudes in Necromunda falling off like a twenty foot 
tall fucking so yeah plank or some shit. <laughs> that was that 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 so that my Van Sar gang is is modeled after '90s hackers. So it's like Wozniak, Mitnick, Torvalds. Anyway, so Mitnick was the one that fell. Mitnick is now Mitnick the coward because <laughs> because Mitnick fell three floors, took a concussion rifle to the face, like fell three floors, survived, and was still able to be in action. And ran instead. Oh, okay. Just so from now on, Mitnick the coward. Just peaced out. I don't even think he's a coward at that point. He's just Mitnick the woefully unlucky. Like, <laughs> just like the that Eugene character from Hey Arnold, the one that always gets injured all the time. And he's like, I'm okay. Oh, what a great throwback. Oh, man. Somebody should make an Hey Arnold RPG. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Kids on bikes. <laughs> I've heard that's great, but we'll cover that during an RPG episode. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, for me, it's just kind of, yeah, the zaniness is yeah. really cool. Um, the fact that you kind of have your dudes, and, and they always say, like, it's a meme, you know, your dudes, that's your dudes. Yeah. Uh, you feel an attachment to them instead of it just being, you know, Space Marine 15 of this giant blob of Space Marines. But um, I love it, too, because it's normally the board is not so much, we're not sitting at the board kind of going like, okay, I'm going to put this piece of terrain down here. And you're going to put a piece of train down there. It's like, no, let's make this thing look cool and make it look like it's a, yeah, like, it's a setting. Like, like where, where are we supposed to be finding cool? Let's make it look like a giant crazy processing plant because that's where our two gangs happen to meet up. Right. You know, whenever we did our little pregame uh, debrief, right. we're like, okay, we're fighting at this chemical processing plant. So we should have something big in the middle to represent a pit that of course we could might you know throw somebody in or knock somebody down or right you know and there is a new one in the age of sigmar uh general's handbook 2020 which we reviewed last episode and we were really excited about there is a a a sky battles skirmish game inside of the general's handbook that you can now take flyer units and have kind of these over-air skirmish battles in sigmar so like my vampire lord on zombie dragon can go toe-to-toe with my bloodthirster in the sky and we can see who comes out on top of that one. So it's like reliving my Dragonlance fantasy of like a bunch of epic dudes sitting on dragons with huge spears fighting each other in the skies. You are aware. Have you ever heard of Dragon Attack Wing? No. I think is the name of it. So um, so I know you. we've talked before about the fact that you've played uh, X-Wing. Right. X-Wing is actually based off of another game um, and called, I think it's Wings of Glory, maybe? I could be wrong. Right. And, and our, the fan base can yell at me later. It's fine. But um, uh, X-Wing was not the only game that got licensed and adapted from that engine. Uh, I think it was WizKids released a game called Dragon Attack Wing with Wizards of the Coast, and it is X-Wing but with dragons. Right. So wow. you need to check that out I if will. you want to see some... Uh, I don't know if it's still in print. I know it didn't do as well because I think they also did something similar with a Star Trek ship game. But um, the dragon one might be something to check out just for the thematic joy of dragons. And Aeronautica Imperialis is a skirmish game as well. Yes, yes. And it is. Yeah, I think technically. It it is. And it's it's actually very similar to X-Wing. You you have your movement templates and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. It's just it's on a discrete hex board as opposed to being measured out in inches. So, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff going for good skirmish games. So A lot of new stuff coming out, too, because isn't Warcaster going to be a skirmish? Warcaster or? has skirmish potential, uh, and okay. it has some skirmish game 
built into its DNA in that. So one of the hallmarks of skirmish games for our listeners who maybe aren't as aware of the genre as we are is alternating activations and small-scale battles. Right. Um, so usually, and there's no hard rule for this, but usually you're going to see around 10-ish models per side on average. Some games go a little bit over, some go a little under. Uh, alternating activations and very scenario-driven gameplay. Uh, Warcaster can meet all those requirements. Um, I would say that it is possible to play it on a bigger army scale, but the way that their deployment works is it'll still feel a lot like a skirmish game because of the fact that you don't have your whole army out at the whole at one time because of the the spawning rules. Um, and we're going to go more into that in future when we do a Warcaster yeah. episode. But yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, it definitely has some some skirmish game DNA baked in there. And I mean, you can get some stuff that's incredibly simple in skirmish games, or you can get stuff all the way up to Hero Clicks, which is a you know that's a that's a skirmish game. But mm-hmm. man, if you don't know the rules of Hero Clicks, you're <laughs> It's insane. Like that is a very complex game. I don't. I. I still to this day don't really understand how Hero Clicks works. I only know two dudes that play Hero Clicks too, and that's not to talk down on it or anything. No, but, but just it, where I hang out or, and play games, it's the same. That, two that dudes. game is what blows my mind about Hero Clicks is that game came out in what two thousand one, two thousand two. Right. It was based off the old Mage Knight stuff. Yeah, yeah. and I remember like because uh, I was in college at that point, and I remember picking up some of the very first packs, and and we played a few skirmishes of it. It was okay, but like. If you'd have asked me then if that game had legs, I'd have probably told you no. Right. I'd have been like, the novelty of grabbing superhero figures at random is going to wear off at some point. And then I walked into the, a comic book store with my daughter like two years ago, and I saw that they were like, new packs. I was yeah. like, what the... Dude, what is this? When I, when I, so, you know, let me qualify my statement from before. I only see... When I worked at the game store, and I still hang out at this game store and play a lot... When I worked there, like yeah, I only saw the two dudes play. But every time we got the new blisters or whatever, I don't know what the or the sleeves that yeah, had, the you know, the, the, five boost, the boot blind booster boxes or whatever. Yeah, we'd have we we'd get like 10, 10 like racks or whatever. So probably like sixty of the sleeves. We'd sell out in two days. There is de- there are people well, and, that and that goes into a, that game, another so. thing that's a big benefit for skirmish games is limited space. Yeah, you could play a oh, game yeah, of Hero yeah. Clicks or a game of kill team on a coffee table easily yeah. oh yeah and you know for a lot of people and, and there's a lot of people i know that that's they they were big army players and then they switched over to playing exclusively skirmish games because having the dedicated play space to have a full-size big army game isn't feasible you live right. in an apartment you just yep. don't want to ha- dedicate that much space to the hobby which makes sense but my my 11 year old can play kill team my 11 yeah. year old cannot play sigmar or 40k he is just not there yet. I mean, he's a smart kid, but he is not there. At, he's not at 40K Sigmar levels, but that kid will play some Kill Team. What's that quote that keeps coming up about how Tabletop Monthly calls it? Punishingly intricate. <laughs> Throwback to Parks, Parks and Rec. Rec. Forever. Highly recommended. 10 out of 10. Ben Wyatt. Fan of the show. <laughs> There's a Ben Wyatt and a character. little bit of all of us. Um, it's all about the cones. It's, it, you forgot. It's about the cones. <laughs> None. I'm the Maverick. <laughs> um, but yeah, so kind of some really cool stuff. And actually Crisis Protocol, right? Marvel yeah. Crisis oh, yeah, yeah, Protocol. Yeah, which we need to get to the table because I have so many pri- Crisis Protocol mentors. Um, my Thanos is arriving on Monday. See, the thing is, is that I don't want to play a game unless I own the miniatures. So that would require me to then go out and buy Crisis but Protocol miniatures. Crisis Protocol is interesting in that you could we could totally get around that just by me bringing my full collection and y'all us just drafting out of it because 
unlike other games that we've played, you don't customize them. Mm-hmm. Like you just, you know, you get the cards to, that right. that drive the uh, special powers and the objectives. But the actual roster of dudes, there's no affiliations in the traditional sense. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. I could just bring my full things and you could be like, well, I'm going to grab all of these guys and that's going to be my team. I'm like, that's cool. I'll grab these other guys. So you could be like, I want the Hulk. I want Captain America and I want Iron Man. Great, you're basically playing some Avengers and Thor, and I could be like, well, I want to play uh, Crossbones, Winter Soldier, and Modok because Modok is hilarious, and it's fully compatible. Like you could swap out any of those guys. Cool. So yeah. definitely, that's that's on the list of I've been buying the system but have not actually gotten to the table because Corona. And it's not painted. Actually, some of them are painted. Oh, wow. Hey, look at that. Wow. Neat. See? I do paint things. Doing that, but not as 40K. (laughs) It's in progress. Sure. Sure it is, George. (laughs) So, So, you know, um, I guess um, that's kind of like a good scan of kind of what's out there and what comprises of a uh, skirmish-level game. And Um, and there are literally so many games that we haven't even touched on because we're only peripherally aware of. If you if there's a genre of thing that you're into, as far as like I really like westerns, I really like sci-fi, I really like fantasy, whatever, I can almost promise you there is a skirmish game out there of that. Absolutely. Actually, if you're listening and you think there's one that we would dig, let us know. Let please. us know about yeah, it, that please. Is a, so that's that we a can steam. start to start to do it we love these skirmish games that we can throw on the table and figure out that is a standing rule for anything we cover if you think we'd like it or want to hear us talk about it please send it to us yeah we'd love to find out more about games you know and and, you know we we love it Um, yeah like i was saying i mean kind of a scan of what um skirmish games are and the big ticket items that are out there um i think the one that we're going to kind of cover the most today um obviously because we just played it is a uh, Frostgrave, which we have a little bit of a surprise at the end of the episode that we'll be announcing along with this kind of turn by turn. Yeah. So, so um, yeah. So we we played a one v one v one of uh, Frostgrave, the first edition, uh, just a couple hours ago. Actually, this was my first introduction to Frostgrave. Um, admittedly, I'm relatively new to uh, skirmish games and things outside of Games Workshop, but uh, I'll say that. I'm very happy that I took a couple of steps outside of my comfort zone because I had a fucking great time playing Frostgrave. It is a very simple game that is very easy to get into and is very fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is it is a game that packs so much character into such a relatively small set of roster and rules um, mm-hmm. and gets you on board with the experience very quickly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. the central engine, and we were talking about this when we were going over the rules in today's game. One of the things I love, and for those of you who aren't familiar with the game, almost everything, is, if not everything, is decided by a d20 roll. So you, you're rolling your attack and your damage at the same time, and it's just comparing values, and then you take the difference in damage, basically. But the simplicity of those rules allow intricate interactions to take place and intricate tactics to happen because Frostgrave as a game the story is filled to the brim with zaniness because it's basically a bunch of wizards going tomb raiding in a frozen magical city right yeah so basically if you're not aware it's 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 a city that was once known and lauded for its magical you know just being the mecca of magic and a, a caster 
did something a little bit too crazy, too zany, and froze it for a very long time. And it's just now started the thaw, which has caused all these wizards to go and try and get some cool artifacts and treasures. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And the, the fact that the core rule is so simple means that all of these wizards and their apprentices have all of these very interesting spells at their disposal that can do make interesting interactions happen. Um, so do y'all, do y'all want to introduce our warbands first before we start getting into some of the rules so we can kind of talk them through this game? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, why don't you start with that? Yeah, okay, cool. So I'll go first again. Um, so I wasn't super creative and didn't like give names or anything to my characters, um, which I kind of regretted actually halfway through the game because of how much fun that was happened. Uh, so... Um, yeah, as kind of an overview, you pick your wizard who is your dude on the table that represents you. Um, and then from that, you can also pick an apprentice, which is basically a wizard that just sucks at his job and is an idiot. Um, I didn't pick one of those. Stupid idiot. Yeah. I didn't pick one, actually, mostly because I didn't realize that I could up until my list was already set. Uh, but it worked out because I picked a, you know my wizard who uh, I picked to be uh, an... Sigilist. A follower, yeah, of the sigilist school. Uh, I picked that specifically just because I think runes and stuff are like kind of cool, just from you know an aesthetics point of view. And he, this felt like the nerdiest way to go. And I like having kind of nerdy characters in more role playing uh, kind of games. So I picked him, picked a couple of spells, and then I picked Captain. Um, and even though I don't actually, I, I don't know the rules that well. But I just kind of picked his little traits and whatnot from what I felt like sounded would be cool. I ended up making this guy a fucking like sniper from hell. And then I also had a bunch of puppies, uh, like war dogs or whatever, three more, uh, two more shooting guys, and uh, a couple of infantry dudes. And that was kind of my list per se. Yeah. So uh, to counter this, uh, this, uh, incursion into my character's backyard, because when we set up the, uh, the board, we when you make your warband, you have to pick who you are or where, where you're based out of. And I picked a tower or a laboratory, and it happened. We happened to put a tower that I said was my laboratory on the board. So uh, my wizard was uh, Archilios the Grand, I believe was his name. Uh, he, he, yeah, you notice I'm using the past tense here. Uh, still don't forgive you. Uh, and he was an elementalist, um, and he had his not quite so grand apprentice Tim. Uh, now they they were very specialized in uh, shows of force and moving people around with stuff like telekinesis and f- making their their followers faster. And uh, Tim and Archelios were backed up by a Templar um, named Cassie the Merciful, and uh, then uh, two archers and a hunter. Um, Trying to remember, I don't remember my archers' names. It didn't really matter because one because they also met unfortunate ends. Um, uh, but the the treasure hunter was Kristoff. He no, Kristoff was fine. Kristoff and Tim are the two new leaders. Um, but uh, we, I, I wanted to go with something that was a little flashy, but um, would give me some board manipulation. Um, and I altogether, uh, if I would have actually been able to cast any spells, it would have been much better. Right. <laughs> uh, so I went with the necromancy line. Uh, I like Zach didn't didn't really have time to get into the name generator. I guess if I was to think of one, I would I would call him like Reginald H. Bonestorm of the Bonestorm line uh, and his idiot apprentice as well, who I tried to make actually. I wanted him to do funnier things than what he was going to do, but I didn't really have time 
uh, to do that before the game ended. <laughs> I wanted him to kind of be like, oh, I'm going to summon an imp <laughs> and just have it fail miserably and blow up in his face. But uh, So I took a necromancer, his apprentice, um, and then I had an infantryman, a knight, two crossbowmen, and a warhound. Um, and that, you know, that ended up kind of suiting my, my first game, you know, kind of playing with you guys in the three in the one v one v one i had a lot of versatility and i didn't feel like a lot of even my units that were cheaper still did just as much as my other units did. i think my cheaper units did more than that, my expensive units and i think that's well, really cool about the there game. were there were other factors involved in that. <laughs> so i guess uh, if you guys want to kind of get into the game um i will say the one thing i do really like about this is that it does use the alternating alternating activations and then you also roll off for priority at the start of each turn and so i think that that really you know keeps a lot of uh dynamic um, oh, and it keeps the gameplay dynamic and it keeps you involved as opposed to you know with something like warhammer where it's like all right cool well my turn's over so now i'm gonna like go grab a coke stare at facebook you know while my opponent moves for 10 or, minutes you, you know, know? <laughs> there's nothing more painful than playing a game of 40k and watching somebody just move forward and demolish like 20 of your guys yeah. in one turn and you can't do anything because there's no activation yeah. for you. Well, and the other thing that made this makes Frostgrave's activation interesting is it's not just alternating. So you're, as you noticed while we were listing off our, our armies or not our armies, our war bands, um, we had wizards, we had apprentices and then we had soldiers. And the way it works is everybody activates their wizards. Then everybody activates their apprentices and then everybody activates their soldiers. But some models can also grab people and drag them along for their activation. So like wizards and apprentices can always do this. And Zach's uh, had a captain, which was uh, it's not that's not from the core book of Frostgrave. If, if you just get the the first edition core book, you won't see the captain. He was in one of the supplements. But um, the captain, his whole shtick is he gets he's like a beefed up soldier. He's somewhere between soldier and apprentice, so he gets to drag people along with him. Um, and it just makes it some very dynamic, interesting things happen. So like at the beginning of the game, my elementalist went first and he was running out on his lawn to tell you guys to get off his lawn. And he dragged his archers along and they started taking pot shots at people because that's what we do. Yeah. And so of course, you know, throughout the course of the game, a lot of fun shit happens. Um, and I, you know, we, we even played what seemed like kind of a watered down version of it just to kind of get our yeah, feet we, wet. We did leave out, um, for those of you at home who are familiar with the game, or if you're not familiar with the game, there is uh, wandering monsters that can wander in. Uh, for the purposes of expediency, we kind of didn't include that rule. It doesn't. It does leave out some things that can happen, but trying to teach Zach the game, trying to familiarize the game for ourselves, because uh, it'd been a while since I'd looked through the rules. Um, it just seemed the easiest thing to just cut out temporarily, yeah, yeah. Um, but. Even pars down, yeah, some wacky, sh wacky things definitely yeah, happen. and I mean, and again, you know, we, we touched on this on why we like skirmish games, but I felt like this game was very cinematic. It was just fun. I mean, you know, Mike didn't do much aside from put up like walls five of fog. million walls of fog. <laughs> well, you know, it was a very five all the cast. million. In my defense, it served very well. Five, and it did, but five million walls of fog. So. Well, you know what? My wizard didn't get shot in the neck. Raise your hand if your wizard didn't get shot in the neck and taken out of action. Okay, so everyone with the exception of George is currently raising their hand in the room. 
And I was going to say, you know, Mike's Walls of Fog did actually help him quite a lot because yeah, it, it I direct- couldn't shoot at his army. And like I mentioned earlier, I kind of just picked shit that sounded cool with my army and or warband and inadvertently created like the most accurate crossbowmen in the world. Um, basically, um, you know, anyone that's kind of familiar with wargaming understands like modifiers or RPGs in general. And so with Frostgrave, you can modify like to hit rolls and well, not even to hit rolls, just different shooting and fighting rolls. So long story short, I was able to get through a spell and then inherent modifiers on my captain, him to where he was hitting certain models at like a plus nine. So I happened to... But you didn't kill the one that you were hitting at plus nine. You're right. Yeah, I didn't. (laughs) Well, I did, but later... No, I killed your paladin or whatever. The Templar. Templar. Your Templar. I killed did, the Templar. He did kill yeah. the Templar. Oh yeah. That was in. That was later in the game. Mike. You're right. That was. That was at that point. I'd already accepted. I was gonna get close to the table. I had some pretty major roles. Um, specifically, my captain shot at um, George's character on the board, his sorcerer. Um, my captain had a plus six to hit at the time and rolled a natural twenty. So and I rolled like a three. <laughs> yeah, and the way that Frostgrave works is you can. You basically do quick addition or subtraction with those rolls. So I ended up doing you. You rolled a ten, and I rolled a twenty plus the five. Yeah, that I, I had, and, and I had, so I, I had fourteen hit points left, and you did fifteen. Yeah, to me. because you right. you do the math there, and that's how many hit points you take. So twenty five minus ten. George took fifteen and took an arrow to the throat and fell down dead on his front lawn. So, I mean, I know that probably wasn't a great moment for George, but I thought it was fucking hilarious um, as the person doing it. And then I think I also killed two more of George's characters throughout the course of the game just by shooting at him. So, um, um, but, you know, I will say, and we covered this a couple of times during the game, we, we didn't probably have enough terrain down on the board because I, li- I had line of sight on pretty much everyone with the exception of, you know, your wallow fog. Mike, listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> Someone had characters alive at the end of the game. <laughs> and you know, for our listeners that are kind of on the fence about Frostgrave, um, this was a game where we just put six treasure chests. Was it three or six or it nine? It was three, three per player. Three per player. So we had nine treasure chests. The whole object of the game was just to take the nine treasure chests off the board. There are game types in this game where you set up pylons that may or may not shoot lightning bolts between them and shock anything within range. Or you may be able to manipulate the runes on some of those obelisks, but if you do it wrong, you may shock yourself. Or teleportation stones that move you around the board that just add these cool little quirks and kinks to the game that kind of you get you get more out of it than I think you would in a normal game of 40k. Um, and, and that's kind of the fun thing about it. Yeah, the scenario play is definitely in the campaigns for... For Frostgrave 1.0, there are a number of campaigns available, and I'm looking at Mike because I know he has more of those books than I do. Oh yeah, yeah. There's so there's many campaigns that you can get. Um, there's a few like Thaw of the Lich Lord, which is um, very fun. From what it looks like, it's basically a Lich Lord shows up to Frostgrave and is after some certain artifacts, and he has a flying citadel mm-hmm. that he brings with him. That you basically you play through five scenarios that terminate on the uh up on the tower up on the tower and if you actually successfully vanquish the necromancer you get a vanity like thaw of the lich lord title to add to your character plus all the experience and everything else so and frostgrave makes it really easy for you to take the same 
guys that you play in one and give them the experience, gain gold, have them get better at the game. Uh, or in George's case, yeah, he took an arrow to the neck. He's out of action, but he may have to, and he may have to roll on a permanent, you know, permanent injury table. But he may have lost an ear or an eyeball or something else, or a finger, or a finger, uh, or he may have uh, lost his mobility. But he'll be back next round, pissed off at those shooters that Zach. And and also because of uh, because of the. Um, accuracy of Zach's uh, captain that captain netted himself some additional XP because I think he well because he definitely killed like your warlord or whatever so I'm not I, we didn't quite get into this the after effects but I know for a fact that he would have got like extra XP for for taking k- out the wizard taking down a wizard and then probably another one because I think he killed another character too and then my wizard killed your um my templar yeah your templar I keep wanting to say paladin but killed your templar with a grenade Oh yeah, um, so that's I how you. Oh, I couldn't. Yeah. I, was, I was blanking on because, how you killed it. it was a stupid I, I grenade spell. I failed the roll, but then you, you took, burned the burned I, I yourself burned three to, of my own health points to um, make it, and then rolled another nat twenty. <laughs> see, one, talk about cinematic moments. One of the things that uh, before my Templar went out, she went out kind of gloriously because my wizard before he died made it so she was super fast. And then flung her ten inches on the table closer to him, so she could run up and just start wailing on people with a big two-handed sword. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'd say it was gloriously, man. She didn't kill anybody in combat. She <laughs> almost killed somebody. Almost. almost. That's not very considering that I though. considering that the number of bodies that I had on the table compared to the rest of you guys, because I did not. I had what all specialists except for one yeah. cheap doggo. Yeah, I think I had like 12 bodies on the table. So. And, and your Daco ended up stopping my Black Knight from actually oh, yeah. dragging uh, a treasure chest off the board quicker than he normally would have. But um, yeah, God, what a fun game that yeah, was. It's pretty uh, great. Just, and, you know, the thing is, is like, yes, Frostgrip does have its own licensed miniatures and terrain pieces. Uh, I think Northern makes the miniatures. Yeah. And I don't, I've seen the... Um, the the company that does the Anomina Blank and... I'm gonna. It's a European company, but I can't think. Are of, you looking for the miniatures? Yeah, the, the official miniature terrain. Uh, terrain. The terrain. The, the miniatures terrain are made by Northern. Um, but you can play this game for actually as cheap or as expensive as you really want. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, so I did try to buy some of the Northern miniatures, and this was during the COVID nineteen kind of. Amazon was unable to to do stuff that wasn't essential. So things like. Frostgrave minis were not at the top of Amazon's priority list or anywhere else. Uh, so I couldn't really find any. But what I did find were the Magic the Gathering Arena of the Planeswalkers board games. Uh, and those were those are pretty cheap games. I think they're also skirmish. Yeah, they are, they um, are very similar to the their modified version of the old um, Heroescape. Heroescape system. Right. So definitely skirmish. But uh, you could pick up uh, the three of those for less than 70 bucks on Amazon right now. And you've got casters, you've got henchmen, you've got random encounters. I mean, they've got werewolves in there. They've got horrors. They've got uh, zombies. They've got um, elementals. They have all sorts of stuff in there that you can pick up for real cheap and play on the table pretty, pretty easily. Um, you, I also, the, sculpts and the terrain made by um the officially licensed partners are also beautiful as well yeah. um uh for terrain yes. i don't think you guys covered this uh Kromlik. right Kromlik. Um, yeah, yeah. Kromlik. They, they are officially um partnering with osprey games for second edition so uh Kromlik.eu. uh Kromlik's actually a pretty fantastic miniatures company to highly recommend for your miniature needs 
Yeah. And there's, um, if you're in the States and you don't want to order from across the sea, there's also stuff like, um, Blacksite studio. They do the official relic blade stuff, but, um, uh, which I have, and it's per- it, it's a hundred percent perfect for right. um, Frostgrave. You would maybe need to get a few other pieces like walkways and stuff like that, but it hundred percent right. would work as well. But actually, I do want to say this, and I just want to let our listeners know we are not endorsed by any companies. No, uh, at the present uh, time. I would also like to say that we're not opposed to it, guys. If y'all happen to listen, <laughs> yeah, we're not. We're, I mean, we no, will totally shill your stuff if you want to get it. <laughs> but no, but I mean, yeah, just like Mike says, we're 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 pitching this stuff and you know giving it coverage because it's good yeah Yeah. we had a great like i think we played for probably two hours it felt like 15 minutes but i'm pretty sure we played for two hours and we had a great time and if if you include setup yeah we're probably it was probably about two hours but you know even on that front like i feel like if it's just two players which it's usually a 1v1 correct yeah Yeah. that's just the standard you know two people that know what they're dealing with frostgrave yeah, that's probably an we, hour for a game. Considering that we're, I'm lumping in our character creation stuff, and we only had one physical book present to share between all of us. Even if we had some visual references in, in you know, um, the grimoire cards from first edition stuff like that, um, it's definitely a much faster game than what our initial our game today would indicate. Um, and yeah, to reiterate on what Zach was just saying, notice that whenever I said Blackside Studios. I said, I have a set of it. Yeah. We're not going to recommend something right. to you guys that uh, we don't think is actually quality, that we don't have ourselves. Um, yeah, and I, I've got stuff from Cromlick. Yeah. So. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, I I can't even stress enough that, you know, it's that's probably the, the one complaint that I have heard about Frostgrave is like, holy shit, I got to buy, you know, a ton of these minis. Uh, what am I going to do about random encounters? Yeah. Like things like if you want to play the game fully, it can get okay. a little it All can right. get a little jarring because one you need to have terrain. Um, just for some context, I just, was making a weird look at Michael just because you know from my limited experience, it felt like oh shit, you know, like I don't have to get a lot of stuff. But I guess that as I think about it, your gang's going to kind of grow. Yeah, and you know, not only that, the course but of a campaign, if, if you so. look in the books, and this was honestly, and Mike and I have talked about this before. Whenever we talked about playing Frostgrave, um, the biggest thing that has been a hurdle for me getting Frostgrave to the table has been I've always wanted to have the random encounters included and I'm there's a we were playing classic Frostgrave but there's another version of it called Ghost Archipelago which is much more right. tropical pirate themed where your guys are more like instead of having a wizard leading up a crew you're, you're like a for lack of a better term magical superhero you have a superpower and you go you're because of some stuff your ancestors did and you're trying to go back and amp up your superpowers um but you know like for that game you need like giant crabs and these there's just models that i don't have and so i'm like well i'll work on getting stuff and i'll i was getting things here and there but um what today's game kind of reminded me is you don't need that if you just want to play the core experience it's that you're you're missing out a little bit in my opinion because it adds a little more chaos to it but it's still a solid game just at its core yeah, and you know you can pick up D and D miniatures too. Exactly. Uh, you can go to Wizards of the Coast or, or whatever other game store that sells those things, and, and you can start doing it. I mean, I, I know that after playing Frostgrave, I wanted to cast Crumble on a building, and, and that's one of the cool things about these spells is I can actually, as a Chronomancer, you know, my Necromancer takes the spell from Chronomancy, is I can cast a spell that basically makes a wall suffer the curse of time and fall apart because it's just been mm-hmm. aged rapidly. So, cool. so that I can actually shoot at the wizard that's holding a treasure chest behind that wall. I want to crumble it first so that my crossbowman can shoot at it. 
like the ability to interact with things around you um, is is a lot of fun and it's a very cool mechanic that I really enjoy uh, as far as you know Frostgrave being uh, you know it's it's definitely in my top five for sure for sure yeah so I think yeah just to kind of really expand upon that point like yeah it might get expensive but hey you know what if you're interested in the game just get the rule book which is you know like 35 bucks for the second edition one um i don't know if we've mentioned that but second no. edition for Frostgrave is coming out on august 18th um of 2020 so a little bit after this records um you know the rule book's like 35 bucks that, that's you know pretty low barrier to entry in my opinion use some of the models you have hanging around or hey just pen and paper it you could easily do that with like little coins or whatever as your counters um so you know it, it it can be as expensive as you want it to be or as you know low as 35 bucks I mean, now yeah. i think that having you know the miniatures really adds to it but that's just my you know play style or so. you know there's there's companies that you can print out just two two-dimensional little figures yep. um, yeah standy standy miniatures paper miniatures or there's all they're all over the place online if you mm-hmm. dig around on stuff like uh uh, drive through RPG, I believe, has some. Uh, several other uh, print-on-demand type sites have them. Um, so there, there's all types of alternatives, and that's the beauty of stuff like Frostgrave and other uh, miniatures-agnostic games. Mm-hmm. Where even though they're now with Frostgrave, there are li- officially licensed miniatures. You, the game was designed with the idea that you're just probably playing with D and D minis that you already have. You're, you're going out there and you're saying, hey, I need some skeletons, so I'm just going to grab the skeleton D- models or I'm going to just, I don't have these models, so I'll put down a base and represent it with that. Um, that's kind of baked into the assumption of the game in right. a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, Cool. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, overall, um, <laughs> I know that we've talked about a ranking system for games or like a score system. Haven't yeah. actually fleshed that out, but I mean, I'm giving fucking Frostgrave like a, solid like nine out of ten right now yeah and the, the ten it's not a ten yet just because i haven't played it enough and really discovered all of it but i mean hey you know i i feel like it's got a tight well-produced looking rule book it made sense to me the gameplay was engaging and easy um the lore behind it's fun um yeah and it's just an overall cool concept so i mean i, I was very happy with Frostgrave. so and I'm giving it, yeah, I'm, I'm giving it a 9.5, uh, <laughs> just for ease of ease of ease of ease of pickup. You know, like you can pick the you can pick up the book, you can use the minis that you have lying around. Um, it's normally played on a three by three table, so those size limitations aren't too big. You need a D20. Yep. I mean, yep. uh, you know, if I'm if I'm ranking it on a rubric that we have not really established yet, I'm saying like <laughs> aesthetic, um, story. You know, like you know, I have to be engaged in the story. It's fun enough that I can buy into this and be like, yeah, I'm a wizard trying to go and get more power. I mean, how many fantasy stories start off that way? Um, it's something that could be very easily in. Uh, something that's well-supported and well-loved like this is is not something that's given freely by the community. And, and a lot of people are, are echoing these exact same sentiments. The game's fun, it's easy. I can get two people to play it in a couple of hours they'll figure it out pretty quickly they'll want to come back and play it again and i think that's what gets at the score that it does yeah it's uh i'm definitely up there around the nine to 9.5 um it's and i know i didn't lower the point just because you killed my wizard um it's <laughs> i don't like one, this game because it's there's actually happened. one of the things we didn't talk about that i really enjoy is the post-game stuff and oh, the yeah. the right. campaign growth so 
Earlier, I, I mentioned briefly that you get to pick what your base of operations is. And that's awesome because there's all these inherent bonuses in it. Like I picked a laboratory, which meant my wizard is constantly getting XP because he's doing all these experiments. So he gets more XP between games. Mike had picked a crypt. So he had a bonus to summon zombies because their supplies in quotes, this is literally in the rule book. There are more quote unquote supplies available because he's at a crypt. <laughs> um, Actually, that was a lot of fun, but I did not take raise zombie as one of my spells, which was a bummer because that would have been great. On top of that, and you could take a brewery in which you make extra money because you have a brewery, so you're selling like alcoholic beverages on the side. Yeah, getting people drunk. That's awesome. Um, but on top of that, you can upgrade them and you can make them better. So like, oh, you really like the Warhounds. Well, there's a kennel add-on that you can buy and it lets you have a... Uh, you go above your normal warband limits as long as that is only a dog that's going over it. You can get uh, like special healing chambers and all this stuff that makes it easier for your people to recover between games. you got the permanent injuries and the uh, ways you can level up. And all of this adds to the story of your warband and your crew. Um, and we're like, after we were playing this, we're definitely going to continue and try and do a full campaign because we had so much fun today just mucking around right. in a very short period of time that now I'm like going to go back and paint up some special some special miniatures specifically from this and Archelios the Grand shall return maybe with a limp but he'll be back he's gonna have to get like for a, you he's gonna have to get a new throat <laughs> it's a flesh wound yeah okay right, I'm willing to sell you a throat that I found in a grave <laughs> for very cheap yeah. like for you 150 for you for you my friend for, for you my friend 150 for him 151 <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, and just, I, you know, we're, we're glowing over it, which is fine, you know, because this episode's pretty focused on Frostgrave. But, um, I mean, you know, if, if this is any indication, like, we played, like, a turn, and, you know, we were laughing and having a good time. And I looked at George and Mike, and I was like, I'm definitely buying into this game. And literally, after I said that, pulled up, you know, my phone and pre-ordered the second edition. Right. So, and, and this is my first time being introduced to this game. And the other thing is that we can still play 1.0 because there's so much content um, that we can do. And there's just these mini campaigns that are released. You can pick them up for pretty cheap uh, and continue your guys. Like, honestly, I'm, I'm motivated to try and get as much of as many Frostgrave games as I can get in until, you know, Indominus comes in and some of the other 40K. <laughs> you know, I get the 40K rule book and everything else that comes when the pre-order is finished or Warcaster coming up. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of time for me to try and like get my, my, my wizard up to speed. Um, and also like those Magic the Gathering figurines that I'm using as, uh, you know, as, as stuff, it actually gives me motivation to paint them so they look cooler on the on the battlefield. Uh, you know, so that's that's really cool. And um, kind of our surprise, and this is you know something that we're building into is that we actually are going to be interviewing Joseph McCullough on our next episode who created Frostgrave. Yeah. He's also the creator of, um, shadows of Ranger, uh, Rangers of shadow deep. And he also is one of the co-creators of blaster magazine. So if right. anything we talked about today really sparked your interest as far as skirmish games go, uh, blaster is an excellent source for that because it's a lot of, and I think we've talked about blaster previously. We have. Yeah. That was uh, our first episode actually. It's, uh, for those of you who maybe didn't watch, didn't listen there, don't remember. It's a collection of independent game designers, putting out more stuff as a collective for their games. Um, I, it isn't where I'd recommend uh, you to start with content. 
Uh, but if you look at it, it'll give you a list of people to be paying attention to that uh, have some very interesting, very promising small-scale skirmish games either out already or coming out in the future or you know, getting revitalized like with Frostgrave 2.0. Yeah. And actually, I did remember something really fun that kind of I did with one of my guys that I, I probably wouldn't have done in any other real game was my thief. Uh, oh, yeah. The- double move. <laughs> Ran up a wall and then parkoured around it to yeah. try and get to a, that was a cool treasure moment, chest, yeah. and then only to be like nailed to the wall by a crossbowman from Zach's. I put man. up a pretty impressive kill count today. Actually. Oh yeah, actually, you were, you were pretty. We all thought that you know, like, oh, he's taking Sigilus. Like, <laughs> I'm a maverick. No, I, I, I really <laughs> thought taking Sigilus. I was like, I got this fucking nerd. You know, we didn't cover it earlier. My starting location or whatever was a library because I thought that went along with the dude that likes to like draw smiley faces on the wall. But no, apparently my warband is a little bit bloodthirstier than everyone <laughs> initially expected. Um, so yeah, but I mean, it was fun, and that goes back to you know those fun kind of narrative moments and you know just surprises that can happen in small scale games like this. And you know, Frostgrave does it really well. It does. Yeah, it does. So, I'm excited to play more of it. I'm super pumped for the interview. Um, I think Mike's taking the lead on that one. Uh, we are. Yep. Due to uh, some timing issues. Uh, yeah, I'll be. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be doing it. So Joseph is in uh, the United K. K or United Kingdom. <laughs> United K. United K. Special K. You know, he's in. He's in more time. I mean, old time. I mean, fuck. Shit. <laughs> shit. Um, <laughs> The land of Games Workshop, but uh, what else comes out of the UK besides like Games Workshop and uh, uh, Shepherd's Pie? I feel like Shepherd's I Pie. Like Shepherd's that's from Pie. Ireland. It, uh, what do you actually, think? What do you think one of the kingdoms is in the United Kingdoms? Look, listen, man. I, think I don't know. I've only sat around. I, 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 just to be clear, Ireland. I'm not insinuating that you're the British. Before oh, we get into a four-hour discussion of the <laughs> geopolitics, we're, we're, we're editing the this whole section out. This is completely going away. <laughs> Mike's like purge, purge. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about. I'm going through all the purge buttons. <laughs> Did I just hear joining chaos? Oh, smash it. So. Well, thank you so much for listening to our special episode where we focus on Frostgrave. Please tune in to our next one where we will be interviewing Joseph as part of our episode. Um, and like I said uh, in previous episodes, please like and subscribe if you enjoy what we're saying. If you're on Apple iTunes, please give us a good review so it helps with our visibility. And But only if we deserve it. Yes. Which we do. <laughs> if not, or if you are a misbeliever, just give us five stars anyway, but email us at tabletopdropouts at gmail.com telling us what your gripes are, and we will read it. So. And I mean, well, and maybe take action on it. Let's. <laughs> if it's really if it's funny, realistic. we may put it on the podcast. I don't know. <laughs> but thank you very much for listening. Uh, that's that's it for this episode as far as I'm concerned. I don't know about you. Well, we're good to go. Oh, you man. guys take it easy. Have a good day. Yep. See you guys. <laughs>